Canada's Treasury Board Secretariat sent out a tweet last week in light of the recent Texas synagogue hostage-taking. The tweet condemned anti-Semitism and reminded federal government employees who are Jewish that if they're needing support or counseling for mental health because they're feeling upset about the Coleyville attack, support is available under the Canadian government's employee assistance plan. What's significant about that Treasury Board Secretariat tweet is that before it was sent out, They first ran it by a new and growing group of Jewish government employees based in Ottawa to get their approval. The founders are taking the latest government tweet as a sign their efforts to create a safe space for Jews on Parliament Hill are getting noticed. Our work plans focused on training. Our work plan is focused on 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 building our network. Our work plan is focused on 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 developing a better understanding of the Jewish experience within the public service and ensuring that uh, anti-Semitism is included as part of the diversity inclusion uh, discussions and and uh, training that's going on within the public service. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like on Monday, January the twenty fourth, twenty twenty two. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. The Jewish Public Servants Network held its first annual meeting recently, and they're up to 300 members now. But it started out very small, in the spring, with just a couple of founders. One was Jonathan Greenberg. He works at the CRTC in Ottawa, and he's the grandson of one of the Astral Communications Greenberg families of Montreal, by the way. Kayla Estrin is a 30-year employee with Health Canada in Ottawa. And Arthur Wilczynski, he's a former Canadian ambassador to Norway. He's now working in diversity and inclusion at a Canadian intelligence agency known as CSE. They held an in-person Hanukkah party. They are planning something for Purim. And in between, they talk about serious issues facing Jews like them who are navigating their careers inside the largest employer in Canada. That's all coming up. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Aubrey Friedman in Toronto, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. In case you didn't see it on our website or in the email blast on Sunday, I broke the story about a history teacher at a Catholic high school in Timmins, Ontario, who's been stripped of his teaching license for pushing Holocaust denial and anti-Semitism on his students. The Ontario College of Teachers revoked Joseph DeMarco's license in November, but we only found out about it now. It took more than two years since DeMarco had actually been fired from his job, which was back in May 2019, after complaints from a parent. DeMarco brought in his own Zionism slideshow and told the students the usual things, like six million didn't die and Israel's to blame for 9-11 in New York. He was also lead singer in a local rock band, and they made videos showing fake Mossad agents in New York dancing for joy as the Twin Towers collapsed. This is the first time in Ontario that the Teachers College has kicked a teacher out for pushing anti-Semitism in the classroom. When Louis Razminsky was finally appointed as governor of the Bank of Canada in 1961, he was the first Jew to hold such a high office in the Canadian civil service. He'd been previously passed over for the job because of his religion, and he wasn't even allowed to join Ottawa's exclusive Rideau Club, which didn't take Jews until 1964. Today, the civil service is much more accepting of diversity, but according to my guests Arthur Wilczynski, Jonathan Greenberg, and Kayla Estrin of the Jewish Civil Servants Network, there is more work still to do. They join me now. You're all in different departments, and you're using your work 
emails. I would think that it might be an issue doing political action work using a work email. So I wanted to ask you, what was the reason you're not using private emails? And is there any sort of blowback for this? Anyone could start. So I'll start. It's not political action. Uh, I'll start with that. I think it's it's part of our core work. I mean, my, my day job is the Assistant Deputy Minister for People, Equity, Diversity and Inclusion. And part of being a public servant uh, really is about creating a workplace where everyone feels welcome and everyone can fully participate. So activities such as this are, are actually, quite frankly, core to our work as, as Canadian public servants. And in fact, the, you know, the clerk of the Privy Council uh, recently put out a call to action against racism, where it says that we should be having employee networks that are empowered to take on these kinds of activities. And the work that Jonathan and Kayla started uh, uh, in this space, I think, is absolutely central to us being a, an effective public service for all Canadians. We have to have safe spaces for ourselves. We have to be able to, to be our authentic selves and not fear that we're going to face discrimination or face exclusion. And the only way we can do that is by making sure that we have networks and support uh, to address the challenges that we face. Would you say that the, the hostilities in, uh, between Israel and Hamas in Gaza in May accelerated the need or accelerated your work at all? Certainly, that was the case. I mean, from, from my experience, there was, um, you know, a lot of promoting diversity and inclusion uh, dialogues within, within my department, at least, and among my colleagues in their departments. And there was no mention of anti-Semitism. And that was in the context of there being very much a rise in anti-Semitism in Canada. But yet this was not part of the dialogue. I think it was uh, I think the conflict really was, I think, a bit of a catalyst. Uh, that, you know, given what was happening in Canadian society writ large and the, the public service of Canada is, is you know, no different, right? We felt the, the kind of, of uh, the same kind of backlash and issues uh, around exclusion and, and, and discrimination, not only uh, like anti-Israel statement, but just quite frankly, like having Jews being accountable for a, for a conflict that was happening thousands of miles away. That's something that a lot of the, our colleagues heard about. And I think was a catalyst for people who basically said enough and wanted to find an, a, a safe place. Can you give me some specific concrete examples? What do these problems that you're hearing or, you know, from your 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 other colleagues look like? Related specifically to, to the, the crisis last last spring, I think people would come up to them and sort of challenge them about how could you support Israel? And so that they were being put on the spot. But there are other things, too. Uh, you know, uh, it, since COVID, you're talking about COVID, people who are, who, uh, who are now facing, uh, uh, you know, comments that, that mandatory vaccines uh, are like, you know, the policies of, of Nazi Germany. Uh, you know, they won't be included in certain events because, oh, you know, you're Jewish, so therefore you don't have an interest. And one of the things that I think for us has been particularly challenging and particularly important is that when we've approached various colleagues responsible, for example, for diversity and inclusion in the public service, to say, we believe that addressing anti-Semitism needs to be part of the overall strategy. There's been a sort of like a mixed reaction. Uh, people said that because, uh, you know, you're not, for example, visible minorities, uh, you're not part of the employment equity groups, that therefore you uh, are not covered by the rubric of anti-discrimination. And that we really had to, to tackle. And it's, it's part of the reason why we've had a letter writing campaign to deputy ministers. And I'm sure my colleagues can talk about some of the other specific examples. You know, we all have faced it to some extent over the course of our career. Yeah, I'll just add that uh, certainly members have come forward since they've joined. And, and there's been some along the lines of typical anti-Semitic tropes about being cheap or being good with money, those types of things. But, you know, a few members just came forward and said, 
you know, I'm really happy you set up because I feel very alone in my department. And it's really good that I there's now a group of people that I can turn to, that I can connect with. So also that feeling of just being the only person or, you know, not knowing any other Jewish people and, and really wanting that sense of connection as well. Right. And, uh, so many people have come to us and said, uh, you know, there's a power in numbers approach here and Jewish voices are finally being heard and finally being counted as a minority because the network is pushing these uh, these priorities and these objectives in their meetings with uh, senior officials in the government. Department of National Defense had this anti-racism you know, program study and Jews were not part of it. And so is that kind of where you're talking about the Jews aren't considered um, victims? In fact, Jews are considered the oppressors. And so they're not thought of when we're doing this work. So on, on, on national defense, uh, just that specifically, I think that, that was a really important example. Same thing with global affairs where I used to, where I used to work, where they weren't in Jewish uh, issues and anti-Semitism wasn't included as part of the rubric. But now I think that there's a, there's a greater openness in, 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 in us uh, addressing it. So for example, our colleagues at national defense actually shared information about, uh, about the Jewish uh, uh, employees network and have invited us to participate in an Ask Us Anything session so that we can share our experiences and our perspectives with members of, uh, of the national defense family. One of the things to build on that in terms of education for is, is actually getting information and data. So right now, uh, the government of Canada through something called the Public Service Employee Survey asks questions around experiences with discrimination, experiences with harassment, but there's no place in that survey for Jewish public servants to self-identify and to say, hi, I'm a Jew and this is how I experience discrimination. When people have um, slurs, promotion issues, uh, harassment, what can you do for them or is that beyond your scope? So right now, I'd argue that that's beyond our scope. One of the comments that we had last night from members was to make sure that folks knew about the existing apparatus to deal with harassment and, and extreme, whether it's, you know, the, the role of the Canadian Human Rights Commission through to the various, uh, you know, ombudspersons roles that exist within departments. And, and so that folks know about the, their, their rights and can, can exercise them. And I think that the, that was, again, my biggest takeaway from last night is that people were feeling alone. And that, that there was risk in, in, in putting forward some of these formal complaints. One of the other things that we're going to do is, is work very closely with uh, with Erwin Kotler's office, with uh, with Erwin Kotler's the special envoy for anti-Semitism. In the last year, um, the Liberal government uh, held an anti-Semitism summit, I'm sure you're aware, an emergency summit. The government took very strong position supporting the Jewish community, um, and with money and appointments and commitments, right? How did this impact the work that you're doing? Yeah, I think that that's helped open doors uh, for us as, as, as public servants. We're, we're uh, you know, scheduled to meet with the clerk of the Privy Council uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we have presentations uh, to the office of the Chief Human Resource Officer uh, and the network of senior uh, ADMs across government responsible for equity, diversity, and inclusion. I, I really think that there is broad consensus uh, for inclusion of Jewish public servants right across, uh, you know, party lines. This isn't, a, I don't see this as a partisan thing. I see this as, as a, a workplace thing uh, where the public service has an obligation to create a safe workspace for all of its employees. Is there anything that you want our listeners and viewers to understand about the timing and why this is so, you know, what is the significance of that? Uh, the significance, I mean, uh, people felt alone. 
our group is not only about um, combating anti-Semitism. We want to connect Jewish people. We want to uh, eventually start doing mentorships. We want to celebrate Jewish culture, Jewish heritage, and we want people to be proud of their identity and who they are. We want people to be able to wear it on their sleeve without fear or without anxiety. So that's, that's the flip side and that's the more positive side to our network. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily. Sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Dr. Norman Just. He's from Toronto, but he's spending the winter in Naples, Florida. And we'll end the episode with a clip from the campaign called We Remember, just ahead of Thursday's International Holocaust Remembrance Day on January 27th. The link to the video is in our show notes. They're asking you to write the words We Remember on a piece of paper, take a photo of yourself holding it up, and send it in. It could be projected later this week at Auschwitz. We remember. So the memory of the victims and their stories are not lost in history. Join the We Remember campaign for International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Together, we can ensure that the past is never forgotten.